Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. This week, we have part two of my conversation with Gertrude. This is a continuation. It was all one long conversation that we split up into two episodes. And so this week's episode continues off of last episode where she spoke about Lent. And this week she picks up where she left off um, moving into Holy Week and the Tritium and the beautiful season of Easter. I hope you enjoy. The other thing that we work on, maybe in those last weeks of Lent, is our Easter outfit. What's the deal with the Easter bonnet? Where does that come from? Or maybe a fresh new dress. Maybe everybody gets one thing that's new and fresh and crisp, and you don't wear it until Easter. Why do we have that? Because Easter is the day we remember our baptism, and we were given a white robe, a white outfit, and told, wear this, and keep it without stain to the judgment seat of the Lord. Well, that's a tall order. You put them in a nice outfit and say, and now sit in that chair and don't move because if you go out and play in the sandbox, you're going to ruin it. Well, we do go out in the sandbox, don't we, in our lives. (laughs) And we do have to keep washing that white robe. And we have to keep refreshing ourselves because we don't just keep it, you know, we don't sit on that chair for the rest of our lives. But that's what that Easter outfit is. And that's what we teach our kids. And we will remind them of their baptisms. And we will tell them, oh, you know what you wore? And here's some pictures we have. Mm. And do you know who your godmother is? And who your godfather? Let's write them. Let's write them an Easter card. Mm. And tell them, thanks for being my godmother. Thanks for being my godfather. Mm. I was walking around downtown New York City with Dorothy Day many years ago. Oh, she said to me, you know, Gertrude, I don't have an Easter outfit. We have to get one. And I'm thinking, what? I'm going to go to Macy's with (laughs) Dorothy Day and get an Easter outfit? And she turned right into the next shop, which was a shoe repair shop. And she bought herself a pair of new shoelaces. There. There. She said, I have my reminder of my baptism, Mm. something new. That's how simple it can be. Can you imagine how that stuck with me for years and years? She was thrilled, small, simple, not extravagant, but utterly delightful and delighting. It's a symbol because symbols can do that. It's also important in the last weeks of Lent to paint eggs together. Why eggs? Oh, because it's all about chickens and eggs and which came first. And it's all about uh, chickens are laying again and there are eggs to be had, we hope. (laughs) And right now that they're a special gift. And, and, And we color them to make them even more beautiful. So one really fun way is you know how to blow out eggs and you can hang them from the chandelier over the table. I'm not going to tell you how to do that now because I 
take up the rest of the day. <laughs> but you can do a wonderful old-fashioned thing. And even Marcia's, Martha Stewart picked it up recently. But it's what we did when we were growing up. We bought our eggs. And all during Lent, we had been fondling the onions in the onion department because the dry peels would come off and we would fill a sack full of all the red and yellow onion peels. Or if we talked to the green grocer guy, we said, would you save those for us? Why do you want those? Because we're going to color Easter eggs. And you wet them and you wet the raw eggs and you wrap those onion skins around the egg and you tie a piece of hose really tightly around it and then with a twisty hold it tight so that the onion skins lay tightly against the wall of the egg and then you boil them just as you would to make hard-boiled eggs and when you unwrap them they have all these marbly looks and if you want to get really fancy you can also gather little blossoms that are flat or pieces of fern, things that aren't raised too high, and you can press those against the egg and add or not add the onion skins. I can't tell you how fun it is. That sounds amazing. And then you shine them up a little bit with a little um, little salad oil afterwards and put them maybe even in real straw. They look so organic and pretty. And they make beautiful gifts to one another. That sounds like a lot of fun. It's very fun. <laughs> you get those ready, but you don't put them out. Keep them in the fridge. Because now comes the triduum. And the triduum is the end of Lent and the beginning of the three holiest days in the church year. Everything changes. On Holy Thursday, of course, you go to the Eucharist because it's the feast of the Eucharist. But at home, you think once again about what is a meal? What is this business of us gathering around this table every day? Maybe we will do it specially. Maybe we'll buy some matzos at the grocery store and eat the flatbread that the people of Israel ate. Tell that story about the freeing of the Jewish people, the Israelites, from hard labor and oppression. Talk about the unbelievable miracle. Bread and wine becomes the body and blood of Christ, and we take it into ourselves. Now the miracle really begins. We are what we eat. We are sent forth to be as Christ into the world. Watch the washing of the feet. Maybe even tell the story about the washing of the feet and maybe even in the family, wash each other's feet. Mm. Imagine two kids are having a tough time with each other. Suddenly they're on their knees washing each other's feet. Mm. Why? Because Jesus did it and said, that's how much we have to love each other. That's simply. On Good Friday, we go without any music. And in the old churches, there were bells, and all of a sudden, the bells were quiet. And the bells didn't tell us the hours of the day anymore. But once they did, 
and sometimes there were bells in the church and no more bells. Well, maybe no more phone calls. Maybe our kids put tape over the doorbell. They got so into it. Mm. It's like, and you know, and they didn't let us wake up to the alarm clock bells either. They had wooden sticks and banged them (laughs) together. So for Good Friday, put a cushion on the floor and put a crucifix there and let the children come and decorate around it, bringing flowers or drawing pictures and coming to kneel there for a while. Holy Saturday, the church is empty. This is a day for cleaning and for decorating the house. When I was a kid, we waxed the floors and we polished the silver. Well, we don't wax floors anymore and we don't polish silver anymore. (laughs) But there are things which we could do. We might wash the car. We might clean out a closet or the garage. We make new. We make all things new. And then we put together that Easter outfit and lay it out. Even if it's just fabulous shoestrings. Hmm. And then for the vigil, before you go to church, you prepare a basket with a bottle to bring home some of the Easter water. Mm. And you put a stubby candle in the bottom of a jar so you can bring home the fire. Imagine. And you also put in that basket a bell for every member of the family. Because even if your joyful noise needs to be the car keys during the singing of the Alleluia, Everybody should bust out. You probably need to warn your pastor. (laughs) But if you can get everyone in the church to do that, the place bursts into laughter and joy exactly as it should. And little tiny ones should come for the Easter vigil too. It's for kids. What's it about? What's the church? What does the church use anyhow? Water, fire, bread and wine ashes, oil. It all happens, and it all happens then, and those are the archetypes of our very life. Nothing fancy except for the underlining of these beautiful things that we put to them. Here you have the biggest candle ever, and it gets dipped into the womb of the church. How about that? How about that? I love that. It's sexy. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. And then there might be people to be baptized. And if you have little kids, you bring them in their jammies and let them bring their blankie and their pillow and they can sleep on the pew and they will get the music and they will get all of it through their dreams. It's okay. Mm -hmm. So try and take some of that blessed flame home, fire and water. That's not easy to do. I can remember a really gusty, windy, rainy day up in the state of Washington. We went out into the parking lot and the wind blew out our candles or we got into a car and closed the door and out went the flame and you jumped out again and somebody said, here, I need a flame. Here's a flame. Okay, now leave your windows open when you close the car door. Okay, and there was this whole thing that went on in the parking lot (laughs) as everyone was trying to bring home their Easter fire. And then when you bring it home, what will you do with it? Changes according to your household. My kids insisted that we blow out all the pilot lights and rekindle them with Easter fire so that all year long, our showers and our food were blessed by the fire 
the Paschal fire. Oh, I love that. It was lovely. Or maybe you have a fireplace and you can make a little fire. Mm. Or maybe you have your own Easter candle and you light it for a while that night when you come home. And then you, you blow it out, but you have brought it to your home. And then with that Easter water that you have in a nice, beautiful bottle that you've found, you go around and you bless one another. And now you're going to bless the Easter food. Oh, my God, we got the most gorgeous food. Perhaps you will have baked an Easter bread, which instead of the matzos, which were flat and had no yeast, mm -hmm. this is the opposite. In fact, you bake them in a can so that they rise up and mushroom over the top. Resurrection bread. Mm. Full of dried fruits and nuts. And maybe you stick a candle in the top of it or find out what your granny baked or what your, what your nationality could teach you that was traditional for Easter morning breakfast and, of course, Easter eggs. Now, oh, the fasting thing, God is over. And the baskets have little chocolates in them and all the things that we haven't seen for six whole weeks and aren't they a treat now having done without? You know, so many people think the church wants to punish us, you know? Fast, do without, give it up. You only appreciate things when you haven't had it for a while. Mm -hmm. It's about appreciating things more, mm -hmm. about being attentive, being conscious, and bringing what we have saved for the poor over Lent so that they too can have some taste of Easter. Well, we have Easter egg hunts, and there's a special way you eat them at the Easter breakfast. Everybody has their eggs that they've found, and you choose one egg, and you go around the table and you tap, tap the egg against your brother's egg. And whoever has got broken, you win that egg. Okay, now you go to the next one and you and you tap tap to everyone and you wish each one a blessed Easter mm. when you win their egg and you take it to your place. There will certainly be egg salad later in the week. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, the Easter season, we sometimes forget and it's all about wearing our fresh baptismal robes. Mm-hmm. And White Sunday, was all the newly baptized got to come to church in their baptismal robes, and they were starting to get a little grubby. <laughs> and so there was some talk about how do we keep our robes clean. It's not like you're never going to make mistakes. Right. It's like you're going to, you know, when I, when I made my first confession and my first communion, my mother gave me my baptismal robe, which she embroidered five different ones for each of us kids. It wasn't one for all. We all have one. Wow. And mine is a big square, beautifully fringed and with open work and with the seven sacraments embroidered wow. in symbols across the bottom. Wow. And my name embroidered and the date under each one that I received. And then she hem-stitched it to my slip underneath my dress so nobody else knew it was there mm. but it was my dress 
for my first confession, for my first communion, and when I was married. Wow. She sewed it under my dress. Oh, wow. Yes. And she says, it's not a little dress because the baptismal garment is something you grow into. You don't outgrow it. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I like that. I mean, can you, ha- you know, that those were the things I learned at home. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. That is really amazing. I love how in the book you talked about how that Easter Monday that you didn't send your kids to school so that y'all could live into that Easter season a little bit more. Well, we had a well day, what we called. We didn't have sick days. We had a well day. I love it. Easter Monday, because in every other country, Easter Monday is still a holy day. Right. And these kids have been in church a lot during the Triduum. Well, we would go where the where the water was and the ducks were mating and having nests right out here. And we had, of course, we had eggs and we had our very special marzipan Easter cake. <laughs> and we had all these good things in ham sandwiches. And we would go and we would sit out there and watch the ducks carrying on on the sloughs outside of the ocean. Yeah, the the Easter time goes with, oh, the best stories in the world. Learn that song. We translated it in our own words. Be happy, Mary, heavenly queen. Alleluia. For Christ your son was risen, seen. Alleluia. Be happy, O Maria. Mm. And you're, you know, take the statue you have of Our Lady. I have a black virgin, and we bring flowers there too. How they must have felt, and you live that story. And then you have that incredible story of Emmaus, where Jesus isn't always easy to recognize, even as you're walking along the road and crying, and your eyes are full of tears. And along comes some fellow who wants to walk with you. And why are you crying? What are you? Why are you so down? Oh, you didn't hear our best friend, Jesus. Jesus was was crucified. He died. Oh, is that right? <laughs> well, let's stop here and have a bite to eat. And it's when they're eating what? Bread. Simple bread. That they suddenly recognize him in the way he broke the bread and blessed it and shared it with them. I mean, imagine telling these stories to the children. They're right there. And they will be so thrilled with those stories. Mm -hmm. I can remember, you know, after the toughness of the three great days, the Triduum, those those are hard stories. Mm And then come the stories of the Acts of the Apostles and so on. It's nothing but delight and joy and hope that there is life everlasting. Mm. And that's what the whole Easter season is all about. That's right. Well, Gertrude, is there anything that you would like to say to parents as we wrap up here today? Oh, parents, I know you want to do a good job. And I know you blame yourselves so often for not having done it well enough. Hmm. But that's okay. Children can repair easily. You make a mistake, you can go to them and ask for forgiveness. That teaches them also how to ask forgiveness. Hmm. 
this no talking to each other because we're both mad at each other is wrong. You don't, by the way, don't send your child away when they're naughty. Go to your room. Because being expelled from the tribe is horrible. Also for them. So take them on your lap and say, first, I'm going to be mad with you hmm. and angry and upset because this is what you did. You cannot put water in the gas tank of the car. You cannot <laughs> do the hose. You cannot run out into the street or whatever it is they did. Do you understand that? And when they really get it, hopefully even cry a little bit. That means it really entered. Then, right then, when they're open and feeling, you jump in with, I'm going to do that every time you make a mistake because I love you so much. And you're our kid. And we think you're the best thing in the world. And when you make mistakes, we'll give you that little scolding. And then I'm going to give you the biggest hug ever. We got it? Okay. Because doesn't, doesn't our religious life also teach us that we do make mistakes? We do have to. But no matter what, God doesn't give up on us. Yeah. No matter what, we are loved. That's, that's a holy scolding. Yeah, holy scolding. Hmm. Yeah. You are full of so much wisdom, Gertrude. I could listen to you all day. <laughs> it's kind of amazing being 86, as I am now, <laughs> and uh, watching grandchildren and children and seeing what sticks and what makes them wonderful adults. Mm. And, and the whole Montessori background that I have taught me when they were small to feed them where, where they're hungry. I don't mean food. Right. I'm talking about in knowledge. Yeah. So now, as an old lady, I'm happy to be the granny <laughs> in this world. What a neat perspective you have, though, of being able to see the fruit of all of the years of um, yes, liturgical I'm Yeah. Can you imagine I was in my young 20s? When I was invited to come and teach at Whitby School in Connecticut. And it was it was the first Montessori school? Yes. In America? Yes. It was started by um by uh, Nancy Rambush. Hmm. And that you should read her book Learning How to Learn. What a neat journey you've been on. I love yeah. it. Lucky. Lucky. Lucky you. Lucky. Very blessed. Very blessed. Thank you so much for sharing some of that wisdom with us. Well, I'm I'm honored. I'm honored to be able to still contribute something to think to to a whole effort that I love for the catechesis. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. I have a link in our show notes to. Gertrude's book to dance with God if you are interested in getting a copy so that you can look at all the ideas that she has about all the liturgical seasons and how you can live into them as a family. I strongly recommend this book. 
In our show notes, I have recommendations for other books for parents. Our top books are always The Good Shepherd and the Child, A Joyful Journey, which speaks to the zero to six-year-old child. And then Life in the Vine, The Joyful Journey Continues, which is for the six to 12-year-old child. These books are the ones we top recommend for parents. So get yourself a copy of those. I also have a list of different episodes past podcast episodes that you might be interested in to continue to explore being a parent within this work of Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We even have some podcast episodes that go with some of the chapters of each of those books. We also have an audio version of our main text, which is The Religious Potential of the Child by Sophia Cavaletti. So if you would like to purchase access to the Podbean Premium Channel That gives you access to all the chapters of The Religious Potential of the Child in audio format read by Rebecca Reutsevich. I have all the information on how to do that in our show notes. As part of our new season three, we have a new feature where you can submit questions to us. Um, our listener podcast listener questions. And so I have a link in our show notes for you to be able to access that form. If you have any questions about anything to do with catechesis of the Good Shepherd, um, formation, books, a specific issue within the atrium, whatever, please submit a question. We would love to address it on the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. If you would like to know more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or if you would like to support our work by becoming a member and accessing all the benefits of being a member of our association, go to cgsusa.org. Thank you all for listening this week. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.